Hello, everyone, and welcome to the inaugural podcast of Veterinary Today, produced by the Illinois State Veterinary Medical Association, or more commonly known as the ISVMA. Veterinary Today will produce two podcasts per month on veterinary-related topics beginning this month, April 2023, and members will be informed by email each time a new podcast is released. They will also be available to access on the ISVMA's website. Veterinary Today has been created for veterinary professionals by veterinary professionals, and our goal is to discuss the latest trends and developments in veterinary practice and medicine from individuals making the news in the veterinary profession. This podcast shares information that allows veterinary professionals to better serve clients and their pets and livestock and manage their practices and to establish a more informed, knowledgeable, and engaged clinic staff. The podcast will also address proposed legislation in Springfield that impacts the veterinary profession or animal welfare, so you can tune in regularly to hear how proposed bills may affect your veterinary practice here in Illinois. I'm Joey McLaughlin, your podcast moderator, and we're excited to have you listening with us today. I'm joined by Dr. Joanne Carlson, owner and operator of Loving Care Animal Clinic in Palatine, also president of the ISVMA Board of Directors and uh, your Veterinary Today podcast host. Hi, Dr. Carlson. Hi, Joey. It's great to be here and to collaborate with you. Thank you so much for having us. Oh, absolutely. Looking forward to to this. Uh, Joining us today to discuss two legislative issues currently being addressed at the Capitol is Dr. Steve Dullard, owner of Ancare Veterinary Hospital in LaSalle and Ancare Veterinary Clinic in Mendota, and ISVMA's Legislative Committee Chair, Dr. Dullard. Welcome. Well, thank you very much, Joy. I'm glad to be here today. Uh, Doctors, we have a couple of major proposals rolling their way through the Illinois Senate right now, including revisions of the Illinois Veterinary Medicine and General Surgery Practice Act of 2014. Also, HB 1533, an amendment to the Standing Humane Care for Animals Act that calls for the banning of feline onchiectomy procedures, more commonly known as cat declaw surgery. That's right, Joey. So let's start by talking about the Practice Act. Since your ISVMA has been working with elected officials and the Illinois Department of Financial and Professional Regulation regarding the language in that act. Dr. Dullard, can you give us some background about the Practice Act and how long we've been working on this important issue, please? Well, usually the Practice Act, what we do is it gets revised about every 10 years. I think now it's, in fact, maybe every five years. And so we started the process about two years ago at looking at uh, issues we know that are confronting us that is going to be affected by the Practice Act. And one of the things that we are looking at is, you know, telemedicine. And with telemedicine, there, there's a there's a lot of gray area in that right now. There's a lot of talk about it on a national level about telemedicine and and how are we going to be able to protect the public as far as from, you know, issues that occur that may not, you know, be, you know, relevant within our state or if there's a, someone that is giving a medical advice from out of state. So we have to try and make sure that we can still protect the people of Illinois, you know, from those type of activities. And so telemedicine is like one of the things that has been high on our radar for the last two years. Dr. Dollar, are a lot of veterinarians wanting to utilize telemedicine? Is it something that is relevant in Illinois? Well, I think it's relevant. I mean, during COVID, uh, some of us actually uh, started using it in order to be able to perform some like recheck type appointments, which we thought maybe it might be more uh, relevant for a conversation, maybe a a quick view of the pet. Our, Our big concern, though, is using telemedicine as like the primary evaluation of a pet. And we addressed all that in our Veterinary Practice Act. 
Um, essentially, you have to have a client-patient doctor relationship at least once a year with a physical exam. And in our telemedicine uh, section, it basically says that if you believe in your professional opinion, after you have had this at least yearly exam, you can perform telemedicine. If there is an issue where you believe a physical exam is necessary, then it is is your responsibility to make sure that you do do that examination. It also helps us include the use of certified veterinary technicians and their supervision still stays the same as if their supervision was within your hospital. Right. And, you know, I know we spend hours and hours within our board of directors trying to uh, delineate the language and the parameters. Uh, And we're still, you know, working through that for the most part. Uh, But, you know, one of the things I'd like to talk about is that I recently had a, uh, a group in my area start publicizing they're offering a telehealth program that their clients, this is a boarding and training facility, they're offering a telehealth telemedicine kind of a a package deal to their clients that would essentially allow the the clients to call, talk to a veterinarian and and have diagnoses, uh, et cetera. And one of the things that struck me about that is, are those veterinarians in Illinois? And would this practice act amendment that we're proposing be applicable to that? What are your thoughts on that, Dr. Dullard? Well, it is because you, uh, first of all, there's a difference between telemedicine and telehealth. Telehealth is where you're like giving advice, but you're not really making a diagnosis. You're not prescribing medicines. You're not doing surgery, you know, that type of thing. Telemedicine is the actually you're being a quote, a doctor. And in our state, the way we would like to amend the practice act is that the doctor providing this telemedicine is licensed within the state. The certified veterinary technicians that might be assisting them are licensed within the state because we do have to have the ability to protect the public here. And that's going to be the only way that we're going to be able to do that is if we keep this within state. If it goes out of state and you have a doctor that's doing some type of treatment that is not the standard of practice, whatever, the way that they get reprimanded, it's out of your hands or out of your state. You can't do anything about it. So that's one of the things that we're making very clear uh, in our amendment that this is uh, has to stay within the state. Very important. Very important. Thank you for clarifying that. I thought that was an interesting uh, topic that came up. So, all right, let's move on to House Bill 1533, which I'm very familiar. Um, I've been interviewed by multiple media uh, entities as, as well as you have, and uh, it's a controversial topic. And the bill was introduced into the Illinois House of Representatives in January I know that we've spent hours uh, and hours uh, discussing it. Um, It was introduced by the 50th District Representative Barbara Hernandez of Aurora. It basically calls for an amendment to the Humane Care for Animals Act, calling for the banning of feline onchiectomy or decline procedures with fines in the thousands of dollars for the first, second, and third violation. You know, I have many people who have said, well, why do you oppose this bill, uh, Joanne, you know, as the ISVME? And when I'm speaking, it's not Dr. Carlson, you know, owner of Love and Care. It is the, the you know, the ISVME president uh, representing the board and all of the, the constituents in our state. And really what it does is it removes the decision about the cat's well-being from the veterinarians and also from the owners. And it, it basically ignores the fact that there is a uh, human animal 
bond. And one of the things that we strive to do is to uphold that human animal bond, to have conversations with our clients regarding what is the best medical and surgical care for those, those cats. Oftentimes, you know, people have situations that are unique. Uh, life is, is messy. So it really restricts the veterinarian's ability to uphold their medical oaths and to provide that sound medical judgment. You know, we also feel that it puts cats at jeopardy uh, to live in well-established loving homes. Uh, in many instances, uh, people that cannot have alternative options to, you know, to the decline uh, will give up their cats. And in my area, there are no shelters that will even take cats right now. They're just all teeming with cats. So it really, you know, puts these cats at risk for abandonment, euthanasia, or, you know, in a, in a crowded shelter. So the language is very rigid. And it does not allow for unique situations. And that's the main reason why we are opposing it. We feel that uh, very strongly the veterinarians are the animal health professionals and we should be respected as such. You know, we go to school for, you know, uh, eight to 12 years for this. And we really do need to consider that we have to, if we, if this ban goes through, what's the next bill that will come along? What else will be banned? So, you know, what are your thoughts on that, Dr. Dollard? Well, the first thing is I agree with everything that you've said there, Joanne. Um, the other thing is, though, is like we've had two different attorneys look at the language of this bill, and they have the word therapeutic inserted. The proponents of the bill say all oh, the veterinarians are going to be able to do what they need to do with it. But when you read the language exactly as it's written, it pretty much limits this to a disease process that is affecting the claw. It does not address this if we have some type of behavioral issue that we have to deal with. I mean, a great, a great example is I had a cat last year who was traumatically tearing its skin with its back feet. The owner did everything, biopsies, cultures, surgical removal of the disease tissue. Everything was done to, to try to address this uh, problem with this cat. And it was an obsessive compulsive disorder of the cat. I had to end up declawing its back feet so it wouldn't harm itself anymore. Right. After we did that, we were able to get the skin healed and cleared up. This bill would prevent us from being able to do that because there is no, quote, disease going on with that cat's rear nails, even though he's traumatizing his upper body. It's a classic example of situations where we have to have the ability to use our medical judgment at what's best for the pet. Correct. And what a shame that would be if that poor kitty suffered because we were not allowed to do a procedure that could uh, alleviate that that anxiety and that, uh, you know, that, that self-inflicted damage. So uh, that's a great example. Thank you. Yeah. The, the, the owner, I mean, she did everything. She was trying to avoid it, but if we weren't successful with that, she was basically going to have to put her cat to sleep because it was causing major trauma to itself. Correct. And uh, so we were able to save that uh, bond between those two. You know, and I know we've we've gathered other stories from uh, different clients from across the state, and I think the ones that's so striking are the the people that do have, um, you know, people that either have memory loss issues, uh, or people that do have uh, medical conditions that require them to be on the blood thinners. And these these folks, you know, cannot uh, have a scratch without having you know serious ramifications. So I think you know when we talk about the cat's own you know, medical issues that could necessitate the declaw procedure. 
and also, you know, these these people really depend on these cats. You know, and we hear a lot about uh, just about everywhere you go nowadays. You see somebody with a uh, a harness on an animal, a uh, therapy animal. Okay, and some of them are very justified, and some of them are are you know people just buy the harnesses. But cats oftentimes are very therapeutic for the elderly. And you know, when we think about taking a cat out of a situation with somebody that is homebound or wheelchair bound. Um, that really could have a, a very negative effect. I was uh, surprised to find out that one of the, the main risk factors uh, in elderly people for uh, death is uh, depression. And it seems like cats can really can really help people. And I think it's important that we are able to have those conversations to keep those cats in those homes. And let's face it, Dr. Dollard, these situations do not come up very frequently. I you know, can't even recollect the last time uh, I, I did a declaw. I, you know, certainly have in the course of my 30 year career, but it's just one of those things where these are last uh, alternatives after we've discussed everything, after we've exhausted other options. So that's why, you know, we really are trying to protect the cats as well as the veterinarians in the state of Illinois, right? And that's, I mean, that's exactly, I, sometimes like uh, in the AVMA, they're, they're, pretty clear that they don't recommend, you know, doing the procedure unless everything's been exhausted, but they have always left that avenue available because we run into these type of situations where it is truly in the best interest for the cat and for the owner to have that done. Um, Like I said, it's not our go-to procedure for things. It is what we do after we have exhausted all our other possibilities. But again, like you said, these cats are relinquished, especially if they're an older cat, the likelihood of being adopted once they go into a shelter falls pretty dramatically. And and that, like you said, again, is uh, I had one client recently, she found an outdoor cat and she just tried to find a shelter that would you know take care of it. So it wasn't, she called five different shelters and they all told her they didn't have any, any available openings. So when the proponents say that, oh, they'll easily be able to find some place to take this cat, I don't believe that that's true either, so. I completely agree as well. And I think the the really important thing for our members that are listening is to realize that this is uh, something that we need to uh, have a call to action. It is absolutely vital that uh, everybody call, pick up the phone and call your state senator at this point. Uh, we have sent out information how to find your state senator. And uh, I did actually call my state representative and she was a co-sponsor of the bill and then, in fact, removed herself after we had a very uh, nice conversation about it. And I do realize that there are veterinarians who uh, are proponents of this bill. And while I can value their opinion, and I've received, you know, just actually just not even a handful of emails, I also want them to realize that this really comes down to veterinarians being restricted as far as surgical procedures. And I feel this is a very slippery slope. I feel adamantly that the politicians need to stay in their lane. They're politicians. They are not veterinarians. And I tried to educate the the proponent of this bill, the sponsor, uh, Ms. Hernandez, about it. And she, unfortunately, it's one of these situations where I don't think she fully understands the level of pain control and uh, anesthesia training that we have, that we are capable of producing this procedure with if any, this is the most minimal amount of pain, you know, for the cat. So uh, veterinarians really need to pick up the phone. Uh, also, you know, call, uh, send the letter, you know, and uh, be heard because this is this is how 
you know, the laws change is if we don't speak up. So I'd like everyone to do that. And uh, certainly if there's uh, anybody that's not able to find their, you know, state senator, give the office a call. They will certainly be more than amenable to help with that. I was just going to say, the thing is also remember that if this uh, bill does go through, it's going to go into effect 90 days after it's passed. And I'll be honest with you, I've discussed this with multiple clients within my hospital, and they're totally unaware of that. And they, at least in my practice, uh, my clients want to have the ability to make these choices and stuff with their veterinarian. They don't want something that's prescribed by law. And I mean, we kind of visited this whole thing in the human field last year. And I think it's the same in this situation for us, too. Absolutely. I could not agree more. Thank you. Why are you a member of the Illinois State Veterinary Medical Association? How about the ways ISVMA protects you and the veterinary profession? Like safeguarding the professional interests of veterinarians and CVTs by limiting government regulation and new legislation impacting practices. By providing up-to-date messaging on licensing and regulatory matters. Offering an employee assistance program with mental wellness resources. Serving as a confidential call-in resource for information related to the profession. By communicating critical veterinary issues through print and digital channels. Providing local, reasonably priced, premium continuing education education and offering job posting and job searching ability and more. If you're not a member, why not? Join the Illinois State Veterinary Medical Association and benefit from these services and more. It's easy. Join us today at isvma.org. Any, any other final thoughts, Dr. Dollard, from you before we go? We're almost, almost done here today. Oh, one thing that is going to happen is in the Act, the um, Department of Professional Regulation, it's going to be required that veterinarians uh, have to have an email address in which they will have at the Department of uh, Professional Regulation, because it's going to become their primary method of contacting veterinarians when it comes to dealing with their licenses and stuff. It's not going to be uh, just your address in a, a paper mail type thing. You're going to have to keep your address updated and your email updated with the department. Um, within 14 days, if you move or change your email, and that's like an important change that also is going in the practice act. Dr. Carlson, any any final thoughts from you? You know, Joey, I just really feel that uh, I'd like to again urge everybody call uh, contact your senators and uh, let's be heard. So that's a, a very important thing. So veterinarians need to step up. This concludes our inaugural Veterinary Today podcast. Thank you to our guest, Dr. Steve Dullard, the owner of Ancare Veterinary Hospital in LaSalle and Ancare Veterinary Clinics in uh, in Mendota. Dr. Dullard, thank you very much. Thank you. And also thank for, thank for your service on the ISVMA Board of Directors and, of course, uh, Joanne Carlson of Loving Care Animal Clinic in Palatine and president of the ISVMA, your host of Veterinary Today. I'm Joey McLaughlin. Thank you for listening.